Hello, fellow watch lovers, nerds, enthusiasts, or however you identify. This is 1420, the Watch Clicker podcast with your host, Andrew. I'm a good friend, Everett. Here, we talk about watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Everett, how are you? I'm so much better now that me? I cracked this beer. This is like the me world. Too. The every, world week, just... every week when I come over, I text you the same thing. You keto? Question mark. That's true. And usually you say yes, but when you don't, boy, it's a party. Because <laughs> I don't, I mean, I, I, the seltzer is just as good, but I prefer beer when it's not just as good. Seltzer is okay. Beer is very good. So I get to get a six pack of beer on my way over and we're drinking beer. And then we drink that beer. Yeah. Uh, and I do appreciate you for doing that so much. It's the only thing I do for the process of the show. I mean, you do more than that. No, I grease, the, I grease the skids of creativity via beer when I bring it over. <laughs> you do more than that. Uh, yeah, no, I'm good. I had a long weekend. Uh, I had a long weekend, a golf weekend. Yeah. Which was fun. I went to this beautiful, we've got a resort out here uh, in Oregon, just uh, about two hours from us. Um, it's more than that. It's like three. I think we got there in two and a half. Uh, you know, you know how these things go. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so I played uh, 54 holes of golf, uh, drank a bunch, won some poker. So I just had like Damn, a... that's a good weekend. Like a dude's weekend. And you have all your clothes? Uh, I mean, intermittently. Okay. Most yeah. your teeth? I got, I kept, I retained all of those. Yeah. Yes. And um, just a faint black eye. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Deserved. Deserved. Yeah. Deserved. How are you, sir? Good. I've been... Uh, renovating a uh half bathroom in our house yeah and it's been it so when we moved in it was just in it it was kind of scary we bought the house and i was like mm, i don't really like this weird poop cave because it's not it's it's in a converted <laughs> garage that was converted into a master suite and it's only a half bathroom so that's all it is it's poop, just a poop, poop cave. cave right it's not really attached to the living space that room has now become a family room and we don't ever we've never used that bathroom such that it's had a bookcase in front of its door for the better part of a year. That's accurate. Mm -hmm. So I started tearing it apart and I think I'll finish tomorrow. Nice. I've got, I've got every, every, so part of the issue was that it was a uh, half inch plywood that was just painted, um, which was just horrifying. Right. And it wasn't, it wasn't painted well. It was like they missed spots and not just missed spots. They didn't paint the spots where they couldn't reach like behind the toilet, right. you know, in the corners It had weird, a lazy blind man painted it. Yeah. It had, it it was just it was disgusting. So, but you're you're getting there now. You've hung drywall. It's, drywall's hung. It's the drywall sealed. The vanity is in. I'm putting up the paneling and molding in the morning. Couple things that I need to go get to Lowe's because I broke some stuff and going to go to Lowe's tomorrow and then finish it up. Light fixture and paint will go on hopefully tomorrow evening. Kapak. Yeah, jackpot. It's good. So I'm tired. Yeah, and I'm also like you know that weird. You just kind of have residual uh, splinters all over your body. Yeah. I have that. Yeah. I hate that feeling. Also, a little bit of rasp from drywall dust. Sure. Yeah. That stuff's probably not good for you. And, you know, it makes good makes for really good boogers. Yeah. Like that's, really good that's boogers. That's true. That's a satisfying booger. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. It is. Pull out like, that black Pull you inside booger. out kind of booger. <laughs> oh, yeah. They're, they're something. <laughs> Well, uh, we've we've got a guest on the line. We, we uh, should we we should bring him in and, now and that this, we've talked about boogers. The, the, yes, that's the that was the segue. I yeah. checked that off. <laughs> um, uh, so this we were just we were just saying uh, this is our uh, perhaps maybe not a hundred percent, but most likely. Well, I'll look right now. Our I'll very first guest with his own IMDb page. Uh, we've got uh, we've got the owner of Albany Watch Company. 
owner and founder of Albany Watch Company and actor extraordinaire, Brett Williams on the line. Brett, how are you? I'm good. I'm good, thanks. How are you? You know, you, you just heard all about it, but I uh, uh, we're probably better than you because it is a relatively early evening here, 8.30, and we have just, mm-hmm. in real time, watched the sun, your southern hemisphere sun, rise in the background of your image. Which is terrific. That that view. Look at that mountain. Yeah, so that's... That's like, uh, that's Table Mountain. That's... Um, like an international landmark. It's a, a wonder of the world. So apparently. you you are in Cape Town, South Africa. I am. In yeah. Downtown-ish, obviously, with a wonderful yep. view of, and you call mm-hmm. it Tabletop Mountain? Table Mountain. Table Mountain, yeah. excuse me. And and I'm not familiar, but uh, I'll be Googling. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it, it's the first thing you see when you come into Cape Town. So it's a landmark for everything. It's really, really massive. And um, we're we're like one kilometer from the sea all around. I can just, when I drive to my partner's um, office, when we, when we go and do business, um, I drive all around the coast. It's, it's incredible. Really, really beautiful. Yeah. It, I mean, it's gorgeous. It looks, it reminds me of, uh, of Sedona <clears throat> in, in Arizona. That's what, that's what I, uh, it occurs to me. It looks it, like it, there's not an ocean there though. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> no ocean. It's, it's, there. Maybe one day, <laughs> maybe one time there was. Maybe, maybe, yeah, a couple of billion years ago, Perhaps. it might've looked, might have looked fairly similar. Um, yeah, so I apologize for my croaky, my croaky throat. I had a, a cigarette last night celebrating the launch of Albany, one of those click cigarettes. Um, you know, I was yeah. being all hardcore. Yeah, and, and very, uh, that is very hardcore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Super. It had two clicks, actually. This Whoa. one, blueberry and mint. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, living on the edge. That sounds so, um, like a good mojito. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah. The mojito in a stick form. Yeah, that you have to light and inhale. It's uh, the perfect kind of thing. Um, so I saw that you guys were cracking open the beers. Yes, sir. Yes. Yes, sir. That's, so that's I, I, one of our trademarks. Oh, look at you joining so the party. Join you with a, a tiny whiskey and at a, five thirty. The morning and a congratulations cheers, cheers to you congratulations because as of about 10 minutes ago you guys are at sixty thousand dollars so what's that 40 yeah. beyond your goal I, I forget what your what your goal what your target was we were our target was 30 so you've doubled uh, it at, yeah we're at 65 now so um our target was 30 and we cracked it in 55 minutes wow wonderful it was amazing to watch and so now in a matter of about 12 hours you and your partner you mentioned earlier you have a partner you and your partner are now concocting and working on stretch goals great it's it's insane because we we really didn't expect it to kind of steamroll so quickly to snowball and um and so then people started saying hey uh, what are you doing for stretch goals and we already had one in in the pipeline which we've we put up which is a silver sunburst style which is going to look amazing um, and then I, I actually, I opened it up to, to the backers. I wanted to know what they wanted for a stretch goal. And, and do you guys, to... are you guys getting feedback on that already? Absolutely. I didn't want to impose my iron will as a, as a brand owner. Yeah. You know? No, that's how so, you start off. You, you let people know this is what I'm doing and you're going to like it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you will like it. Yeah. And um, so for those of you who are sitting at home thinking, okay, Brett Williams, you've talked about acting, you've talked about Albany Watch Company, but you still don't know what I'm talking about. If you've not heard of Albany Watch Company, Albany is a brand new company. Uh, been sort of 
in the in the the watch circle for about a year uh presenting this pending watch this ama diver dive watch skin diver i'd call it yeah. although uh although it is certainly not specced like a traditional skin diver it's specced very much like a full spec legit no shit dive watch at at 30 Absolutely. atmospheres but this is a 300 meter i would say sort of a traditional japanese 62 ma mas mm -hmm. style yep. skin diver uh so why don't you tell us? Why don't you tell us first about Albany Watches? Uh, give us the name, and then and then maybe we'll talk a little bit about your watch. So um, Albany is actually I've you know when I when I bought the name out Albany, people were like, oh, man, I'm from New York, Albany, New York, and I was I had to say I'm, I apologize. My dad is from Albany, Australia, and um, he grew up on the west coast of Albany, which is an ex whaling town. And when I was a kid. And even now, he'd always tell me about the crazy stuff that he'd do in Albany and these crazy adventures. I mean, he was a champion boxer of Western Australia who was who went on to almost become a 1968 Olympic gymnast, Wait. and then chose to yeah, it's so disappointing. Boxer turned gymnast. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. He was a box. He was a boxer, and he met a Christian brother who said, "Why are you doing this? Come, I'll teach you gymnastics." Almost became an Olympic gymnast. And chose to go into the seminary instead, and then they kicked him out after six months. They're like, "You're too out." <laughs> so it was like a real, yeah, it was like a real dough moment, you know. I was like, "Oh, my dad could have been an Olympian." Um, <laughs> and then he, he he traveled the world a bit, and he wound up in South Africa, and that's um, that's where I come from. Yeah. So so Al Albany is like it's an homage to like his adventurous spirit. And his sense of wanderlust. I mean, I've written that before, and and it really is true. That's um, that's that's the essence of it. Yeah. I, so so that that sense of of adventure. You've written it. It's all over your Kickstarter campaign. It's it's yeah. it's what what I'm feeling is is your vision for this watch. The the watch to to take you on adventures for the ama specifically. And and I I I will we'll have to circle back to the brand, but I want to ask that is this ama as as the the ama diver are all your watches going to follow the same tradition of finding this really really unique thing and paying respect to it via a watch oh, oh homage yeah. perhaps in yeah. the classic sense of the word yeah. in the colloquial sense of the word yeah absolutely um so i've been researching like a lot of stories um there's there's a crazy story i'm actually looking at the book now it's called the sense of the world and it's about a British Marine who went blind in the 1800s and then traveled the world as a blind man alone, fought the slave trade, uh, was imprisoned in Russia as a spy. Uh, There's like these incredible like um, stories of, of, like, of people who just did these amazing adventures that not a lot of people really know about. Um, the next watch is going to be a GMT and is based on... Uh, I don't want to give too much away, but it's based on two German airmen who crashed off the coast of Australia in the, in the 30s and sort of fought off starvation, saltwater crocodiles, and were eventually found by an Aboriginal tribe. Um, the one guy went completely nuts, but the guy who survived, that's who we're <laughs> focusing on. <laughs> I mean, who wouldn't? That, that's, there's no place worse on the planet Earth to be marooned oh, than the island yeah. of Australia. And, and Everything you, there can well, kill you. 
And you know, you can Everything do a can kill you. you can do a stretch goal uh for a watch based on the crazy guy. I could. Like <laughs> like yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we could do like a free therapy session. Yeah, that's <laughs> <right>. <laughs> that's but right. You, you're absolutely right. Like everything in Australia wants to kill you. When I lived there, uh, when I moved there, I was terrified. I was terrified of the funnel web spiders <laughs> because they can bite through boot leather. I mean, Pass. you know, but, it's my dad got chased through a paddock by a king brown snake, which is one of the top deadly snakes in the world. Well, I think ten of the twelve of live there, or something like that. Like there the majority go. of them are in Australia. Absolutely, it's like everything wants to kill you. There's a, the box jellyfish, which you can't see because it's tiny. Okay. You know, and that's maybe the scariest animal on the face of the earth, right? The box jellyfish. It's insane. Yeah, it's the it's the um, the scariest animal that you can see through. You know, oh, they, yeah, I hate right. that. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It's like so benign, but it, but it, um, yeah, but it's, it, yeah, it's tiny. Um, you know, I saw I this, saw, I saw this documentary on these yeah. fellows who were, who were hunting or maybe not hunting, yeah. not, not to, not for game, but, but sort of looking for box jellyfish for research purposes. And I saw that. And in this documentary, at one point, they run into a school of box jellyfish and they all get stung. And the next scene is them in the hospital just writhing in agony. Right? You, yeah, you've they, seen this. Um, you know exactly what I've, I'm talking about. I've seen about. it. It's like, I think, I think what happened was they got on, on, onto the boat and the, the woman took her mask off. And one of the tentacles, or, or I don't know what do you call them, the stingers had broken off on her mask. And as she took it off, it grazed her face. Ugh. and she ended up in the hospital and then the guy was like oh my god are you okay and then he took his glove off and the same thing happened to him and you see them like doubled over in pain in the hospital it's absolutely insane god that's yeah. not look fun nope I've, been, I've, I've actually been to that, that that part of the coast i filmed um i filmed a steven spielberg series called the pacific yeah, we, I don't know if you know that. We, we've talked about it oh, on the only show. Only vaguely. Yeah, yeah. yeah we've <laughs> yeah. talked about it on the yeah. show. So, okay. so fantastic, <laughs> fantastic segue because uh, Brett, you, as we mentioned earlier, are not only the the creator of this fantastic Amal Watch, but in your in your day job, as it were, yeah. you're also a professional actor with uh, with a significant resume at this point. Uh, so tell us a little bit about that. Tell us about acting. How'd you get into it? Uh, what have you done? I mean, we know a little bit about what you've done, but yeah. So, um, I, you know, the Genesis is, um, I was watching the Oscars in my morning and I saw what's his face. Oh my God. I can't remember his name now. The road, the road warrior, Mad Max. M Mel, Gibson. Mel Gibson. Yeah. Our favorite anti-Semite. That's right. You know? Yes, that's right. Uh, son of Australia. <laughs> yes. Actually, he's from New York. Okay, okay uh, fair enough. <laughs> but um, but I'm not surprised if you roughed up in Australia. Um, yes, I saw Mel, uh, Mel Gibson win the Oscar for, for Braveheart. And he was at some party and I was like, that's what I want to do. I want to go to parties. So... Um, yeah, I thought I'd, I'd, be, I'd be an actor. Uh, that's many, the way to go. <laughs> many great careers started exactly yeah. the same way. Yes. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so I went to drama school in Australia because my dad's Australian. I, I decided to study there. Uh, I was going to join the Air Force if I didn't get in, but I can't fly because I'm colorblind. So I, I really pushed. I got in, um, and then I graduated. I didn't get an agent, and I came back to South Africa, and I started working straight away. 
in commercials and, and little stuff. I mean, the industry here was was pretty small, very big for commercials. All the international people come here for that. But um, the film and TV stuff has started to come in slowly. So we filmed a lot of like, um, like Homeland was shot here. Outlander was shot here, part of Outlander. Um, and I've slowly worked my way into doing better and better stuff. I actually, I moved back to Australia and, um, and with my son at the time, he was 10. I'm a, I was, I suppose I am a single dad and he's 23 now. So I moved back to Australia when he was 10. And as I cracked my first big role in Australia, I had to turn it down because I just, I didn't have the money, you know, to survive. I had to, I had to take a job as an STA travel agent. Oh man. Oh, oh man. Yeah, and, that was. And so, what was the role? What was the role? There was a show called Underbelly, which is a sort of a, I think, a cult cop show about the the underbelly of Australia. It's all these like significant criminal um, families and and players in the criminal underworld. And it was for season three. I went in as a John who was hiring a prostitute, and um, they were like, "Oh, they really liked you. They thought you were fantastic, but they want to give you a role as a." Political analyst, much bigger role, nicer role. <laughs> so, <laughs> Moving up in the world, they're like, we don't, we don't, we don't buy this. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I've I've done some crazy stuff, man. Um, I spent like uh, a month or two months on a sailboat um, that that was it, exactly the same as Jacques as Jacques Cousteau's Calypso because we filmed the French film called uh, L'Odyssée with Audrey Tatou and. Pianine, and we we got to like cruise around for seven hours a day on this boat as the crew of of Jacques Cousteau's Calypso. It was a biopic. Fantastic. And and, and was, did you get did you gain your sea legs in that time? I feel like I would have just been sick for for two months. I, yeah. Uh, you know what? Yeah. So I got on the boat and I was like, oh, I don't need any seasickness pills, thank you. I'm fine. Uh, I've ne- I didn't quite understand projectile vomiting until I was on the boat. <laughs> you know, um, it, yeah, the first day, seven hours, I couldn't get off the boat. So, Golly. Yeah, it was insane. It was like, it's, uh, I don't know if you've ever, if you've ever had seasickness. Oh, yeah. Yep. Before. Yes. Yes, I have. Yep. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> it's unrelenting. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, and for hours after you're back on planet Earth. You're still oh, yeah, you're, sick. Yeah, nothing makes sense. The world's upside down no. and you just vomit. Andrew, do we need you're to like talk about, about the science of the of the surface of the planet? Do we is that a thing we need to talk about? No, you, you if you were in the middle of the ocean, like if you're on Earth <laughs> and you fall, you're good. You would get exhausted and you collapse, you're good. If you're on the ocean, in the ocean, off of planet Earth, off of planet Earth, you die when you get exhausted because so you sink. We're not a science podcast. Just caveat oh, for anybody yeah. listening home. We're not a science podcast. Uh, yeah, no, that's accurate. Well done, well done. So, <laughs> so, you, so you, so yeah. a French French film, but but you've also been in uh, significant uh, significant shows. I think primarily yeah. that are very well known to some of our American audience. I, I would think, although I, I'm very proud to say. Our audience spans the globe. I think does. we're probably about 70% American listeners, but we've got upwards towards 30% of our listeners around the globe. And and, and so there, there could be some folks in Europe that maybe know more of the stuff, but certainly uh, of things yeah. that I'm very familiar with. I think each of these three shows are shows that have been other things. I think so, yeah. So 
um, Outlander. You were an Outlander. I think I, a, I think a pretty cool scene uh, of Outlander. Uh, in fact, I told I was telling my wife, oh, he was an Outlander. This is the scene. She was like, oh, and your the name <laughs> of your character was Mr. Olivier. Mr. Olivier. Yes. Uh, well, well, actually, actually, I'm not quite. I am not quite sure. I haven't checked the IMD. It was either Mr. Oliver or I think initially it was Mr. Olivier, which which I was like, oh, he sounds quite interesting. And then it was like, hello, I'm Joseph Oliver, you know, in whatever accent it was. It was it was um, a West Country accent, actually, which is 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 really hard to do because everyone does the northern now. And West Country is quite different. And, and maybe more of a classic accent, too, right? Yeah, yeah, it's... Um, it was it was pretty cool. I mean, it was it's nice to kind of do that kind of stuff. And I think in in the film industry in Cape Town was sort of expected to like, oh, can you do an Irish accent? Absolutely. Or an American or, you know. Um, OK, so let's let's so, do it. Let's do it since we're here. All right, let's let's no, hear some no. Irish. Come on, man. Oh, no, I can't. I can't, you can't do that to me. OK, well, podcast. at least give us your American accent. Uh, I'm, I'm deadly curious about this. Walken. Yeah, let's hear it. OK, so, uh, you know, I got this watch. It's. No, Kickstarter founded in 55 minutes. Pretty good. <laughs> I have to get into it. <laughs> Bravo. That was fantastic. That's Hold on. Let's do this one. Oh, no. no that's the wrong, wrong one. one. Oh. Nope. Still. Yay. That's the one I was looking for. <laughs> I, think that's, I think that's the timeline of the accent that, that you got right there. Like, started for shit and got a bit better. <laughs> No, that's good. You know, with Christopher Walken, I think the dead space is really important, and, and you nailed it. So, totally. well, well done. So, and for those of you who couldn't, well, none of you will get to actually see that occur. The mannerisms were right. It, yeah, was, the, it was the head bob along with it. I think that's part of it, right? Yeah. I think that's what you've got to get it the is. mannerisms. They, they pull the accent Absolutely. up. Um, so also Black Sails, Black Sails, which is a show that we've talked about on, on our show pri- prior to knowing you. It's probably been another thing yeah. twice. I think that's possible. Yeah, yeah I think that's possible. That was- and so you were a, a pirate referee in Black Sails. I was. I actually had a role before that uh, they cut out. I had a where it was all me, and um, it was for the end of season two. And they they ended up running out of they ended up running out of time. So they you know they had to cut the scene. It, um, it had nothing to do with <laughs> it had nothing to do with your abilities. <laughs> no. So the pirate scene was on the west coast of of uh, Cape Town. Um, and it was a week on this like intensely hot beach. I mean, ex- not to, I don't know if I can say this, but a couple of extras passed out because you're in like thick woolen, like pirate clothing. It gets like 40 degrees here. I don't know what that, that is in Fahrenheit, but it's, it's a bucket load. You, it's, it's, it's hot. It's a bucket load. It's like, it's like Death Valley. You yeah. Know? It's like 110. Yeah. 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 It's, it's very hot. Um, and so we did this, this scene, it took a week to do, and I was like, shitting myself because of opposite to like heavyweight actors and um it was great but the fight scene that sword fight scene that you see in that in that show is they were doing it and and the one actor is a very big guy and he was you know you've got these big pirate boots and you're doing a sword fight on sand on beach sand and the the stunt coordinator was like yelling at him instructions and he just fucking lost it Sorry, can I say that? Yeah, oh, you can say yes, whatever you want. Please, fuck, fuck, say what you want. And he lo- he totally lost it. And then when they did the scene, it was like he he had this this anger 
And the stunt guy was, I could see the stunt guy was like, oh my God. <laughs> he was like, they'd, they'd choreographed it, but he was like really like swinging hard and, and it, it worked really well. But you learn sometimes those older, older actors, um, they, can, they can take things like really seriously. I don't personally, you know, but some people take things really seriously. There was a show that shot here that was based on Troy and, and we all talk in the industry you know, because we're all Cape Town actors. And they were like, man, those British British actors, they're like, before they get into the scene, they're like, fucking cunt, fucking fuck. Getting all like aggressive to get into the scene or like putting their fingers down their throat to choke themselves so that they've got tears. It's like, it's insane. It's uh, too hardcore. Uh, the the, the like, business, what are you right? Doing? <laughs> yeah, it's like, dude, just, just act. Just get into the scene and do it, you know? Um, <laughs> I, but I, it, guess but what, these, I guess whatever you got to do, right? Whatever you got to do, it's the weird thing is whatever works for you and works on screen, you know. Um, and so most absolutely. recently, most recently and very recently, we've talked about this on the show, I think in the last month or so. Uh, and you and I, uh, Brett, we've been talking, uh, I guess, for yeah. the better part of six months, uh, pretty frequently, quite a bit. Uh, I know I know a lot about you that we're not going to cover in the show. And I, and I suspect you know a lot about me that's never been covered in the show. And that's OK. Um, but. You had said, hey, I am in this show, this new show on HBO uh, called Raised by Wolves, and it's premiering and you should check it out. And so you and I were were I was like live, live blogging the show to you, chatting with you as I watched it. And I said, oh, I can see you. And uh, and, and no, no spoilers. Uh, I, I won't get into too many spoilers. But at some point I re- I reached a point and said, oh, I, I don't think you're going to survive that. <laughs> Uh, and I guess maybe that is a spoiler. And I can't remember exactly what you said to me. And say, like, yeah, well, it's a tough industry or something like that. Yeah. Uh, but it, you, you were in at least the early parts of this new fantastic HBO Ridley Scott sci-fi show, Raised by Wolves. Uh, I think we should talk about watches a little bit. But before we do, can we? Can you just talk a little bit about working with Ridley Scott? Yeah, man. Um Okay, so just to sort of set the scene, he's 82, okay? He's, he's, he, I, I never realized he was 82. He's, he's the hardest working person I've ever met. And he, he storyboards every single scene that he does. So the entire, he did the first two episodes. Um, the first two episodes, so the entire first two episodes are storyboarded by him and, um, you know, people would say like, oh, if he wants to show the camera guy what to do, he'll just quickly like storyboard it. He's amazing. He's, he's like, you know, whether artistically, whether you agree with, you know, there's obviously some contention with certain films he's done in the Alien franchise, sure. but he is, he is a master. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why'd they take their masks off? Their helmets off, you know? <laughs> Suspend uh, your disbelief. <laughs> yeah. Come on, man. Um, he is a master. He's incredible. Uh, he he's kind of, um, you know, working with him, he's all about the creative process and the, and the visuals. I think, I think he's a visual storyteller. So he's, he's just incredible. He's, he's great to work with. He didn't say goodbye to me, but you know, that's okay. You know, well, he did in a storyboard. Yeah. Yeah. He He storyboarded his goodbye. You know what he did? He he said, I've got a great, can I say that? Can I spoiler it? Yeah. I mean, yeah, go ahead, man. Uh, mute mute, mute the next like, two minutes if you don't want to hear it. Yeah, he was like, um, he was like, because I'd read, I'd read the script and I was like, oh, so my hand, 
my hand explodes, so maybe I'm coming back. And then he came up to me and he's like, I've got a great death scene for you. And I was like, oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) That's how he said goodbye. Yeah, Yeah, that's how he said goodbye. He gave you a marvelous death. Goodbye, Brett. (laughs) He did. He did. And we, um, we shot the death scene. Well, we shot that whole scene. And I thought we were still rehearsing. And he was like, cut, moving on. <laughs> so I was like, um, I haven't, I've got my best work to give. <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, I, I will say it, it was pretty neat. It's pretty neat to be on HBO, uh, which I had, yeah. to, I, I had to order. You know this, but I had to order a Chromecast in order to watch this thing because I'm a Roku guy. Uh, and, and Roku, when, when they made the switch from HBO go to HBO max, Roku lost its, its access to HBO shows. So I had to order a Chromecast and make sure it was here, uh, for, for the premiere. That's right. That's right. Uh, so, uh, it was really cool though, to be watching this and talking to the person I'm watching on the TV in real time via DM. Yeah, it was, it was pretty neat. So, uh, well, I think that this, I think I've got a reasonable segue here. Uh, not that we were Okay, too, we'll see about this. Not that we worry too much about segues, but, uh, you know, talking about uh, Ridley Scott and perhaps, you know, maybe a most recent alien movie that, that maybe uh, had limited uh, critical appeal, it, it, even if I enjoyed the shit out of it. Um, I think that watches are a similar thing as as movies as as any expression of art right and and i'm not sure that it's always fair to call a watch art i I think they're commodities perhaps more than anything but it seems to me that the best watches the watches that we uh like the most are watches that short sort of take some risks tell a story don't look like every other watch um but that conform to a certain set of rules um, when you were designing the yet this first your debut watch, this Ama Diver, uh, h- how much are you thinking about those things? You know, I want to be, I want to be making an expression, but also making something that could be commercially successful. Um, that's a really, it's, it's a really difficult thing to balance, actually, because this is my first. It's not the first watch I've designed. I did design another watch, which which was horrific. Sure, like so, your for, like your first movie, like uh. like like every like you know whatever it is. It, it was my Stallone porn movie, sure, basically. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was horrific. <laughs> um, so um, it's it's a really difficult balance because you become part of a community and you've got everybody else's opinions filtering in about what's what what they like and what they don't like and what works and what doesn't. And you know, I'm an artist as well. Uh, not just an actor. I'm, I, I paint as well. And I'm always trying to find a truth in something, if that makes any sense. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I want to, I want to, you know, for me, the, the story aspect is really, really significant in the watch. It, it, it's just as important as um, any of the design aspects. You know, it's, it's a holistic, for me, it's a, like a holistic approach to, to product design, if I can say that. Um, you know, because otherwise it's just a watch for me. And you can find watches on Amazon for under a hundred bucks. You can find them at Walmart for five bucks. Yeah, exactly. You know, you can, um, you can find them on Alibaba for for five bucks. I want to, I want to circle back real, real briefly. So we've got your acting career. Yeah. 
at what point did you decide, number one, watches, and number two, I'm going to design one and then take it to market? Talk about that transition, that that process. So um, my first significant watch was a Rolex, Rolex, an Omega Seamaster that my dad, that's part of the story. My dad bought a a gold Omega Seamaster in 1969. Uh, year 1969 when he left Australia and he gave it to me. He's not a watch guy. And he gave it to me when I was 18 years old and was too big for my wrist. And um, I went overseas and my girlfriend had a little problem with the few things and ended up selling it while I was overseas for those few things. And um, that was the genesis of my, of my kind of watch enthusiasm. I, I scoured the internet looking for that then I discovered more automatic watches. My first automatic watch after that was um, a Turtle, which I've still got, Segler mm-hmm. Turtle. And I started getting into the microbrand thing and was looking at designs. And I was just blown away by, by how people were taking their dream and their designs and somehow getting it out there. And pe- other people were interested. And I, I was like, well, I like design. You know, I was designing some car suspension. I'm restoring a an old muscle car. So I was redesigning the suspension. And I thought, well, I'd love to design a watch on the same software. And that's where it started. And then I started getting into the story aspect of things that influenced the design, um, the design language with the hands and especially the second hand with the harpoon second hand, the pearl dial. Um, and it was a really organic kind of flow from there. And it, so it's just, it's in your nature. You're just a, you're a tinkerer. You're like, I can, I can do this. I can. You're envisioning it, and you you just want to take your take your vision to to reality. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. so with that, let's talk about the Ama Diver. Finally, we're here. We're we here. Made we it. made it. Thirty eight minutes in. Congratulations. High five. Virtual. Yep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we got you. <laughs> cool. Um, so the Ama Diver is, as you said, a skin diver. It's a three hundred meter. Um, certified dive watch. Well, it's tested. No, I don't want to say certified. It's tested to 300 sure. meters. Mm-hmm. Um, it's inspired by the pearl divers of Japan who are known as the Yama. It is, as you said, it's got a, that, that 62 MAS style case, which is like so 1960s, 70s, beautiful. You know, I just, I love the lugs. I love uh, the utilitarian nature of the case. It's really beautiful. Um, it's got... Uh, inner AR sapphire crystal for the dome. It's got a sapphire crystal bezel insert. The the move um, the movement of the bezel is extremely precise. There's no backplay. It's that that was actually one of the things um, that took me to my new manufacturer. I couldn't get the bezel right, the, the bezel action right with another manufacturer. So I I, I didn't want to go into production with that and give that to you know potential backers. Um, it's got a Miyota 9039 movement, which is fantastic. I wonderful. Think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wonderful movement. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really good. Um, and, and um, meaning, meaning no date, you're, you're all three of these or all three yep. of your sort of initial models are, are no date, no date models. There's, yep. There's no ghost stuff or anything like that. I, I tested the prototypes initially with a Salita and a Seiko and then, you know, it just made sense to do a Japanese movement anyway with a Japanese inspired watch. So I went with the Miyota. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, I think in terms of, uh, in terms of movements, we, we see a lot of watches with the NH 35, 
Um, yep. and, and we see we see maybe slightly fewer watches with the 9015, 9039, 9 OS5 uh, range of things. Uh, I think our sort of our sort of general opinion is that the Miyota movement is better in every way, but perhaps one. You've got, uh, I say perhaps one because this doesn't bother me at all, but it's got that unidirectional rotor, which can yeah. which can cause the uh, helicoptering. I think <coughs> is what I would call it. Uh, I don't think that's problematic at all, but I, I know that's a. But in terms I like of, feeling my rotor transition both ways. Yeah. I just like it. <laughs> in terms of, you know, I wear my watch on the right wrist. It doesn't it doesn't wind properly. It's a higher beat rate. I think it's over a full millimeter thinner. Um it's just uh every bit as reliable. Um I, I think it's just a, it's just a superior movement. It's wonderful. I didn't realize but it actually has three screws holding down the rotor. Um which is maybe overkill. But, Perhaps. Um, yeah. With NH35 but just I, has the one, just the just the one one yeah. screw. As does the twenty eight twenty four. Yeah. Um, you know, but for me, it's I don't. You know, people say, oh, it's, it's a noisy movement, but I don't really shake my wrist in the air. You know, I do. I have a shake weight a lot. still. Yeah, we, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a righty as well. By the way, I wear my watch on the right hand. So yes. you know, when I, yeah, when I was taking the photos for the watch for the watches, I was like, ah oh, man. It took me ages to get the watch on my on my left wrist to take the, the photos. It's so hard, <laughs> right? Yes, it's so difficult. Yeah, because <laughs> oh, you don't, don't you, you don't put a yeah. watch on that wrist ever. So you're like, how do I? What is this? Like, it's just a weird nub that. I feel you like you this, this conversation down. has limited yeah. value to the 13% of our listeners. I'm sorry, <laughs> guys. I'm going to cut it off right now. Fine. Right. So let's <laughs> let let's let's keep diving in. This is crazy thin too. So you're you're coming in at uh, with the crystal or yeah with the, with the crystal with the domed crystal yeah twelve point eight millimeters without the crystal thirteen point three width. Oh okay so, okay and yeah, yeah, whatever I'm, it's sorry. same same man twelve point eight for three hundred meters of water resistance crazy thin and and I think. I think part of the reason you saw such a huge, I mean, you doubled your goal already and we're in, we're in hour 15 ish, maybe, yeah. uh, is this is a, this is a gap in the watch market. Is this perfectly sized, super thin? I mean, skin divers are a gap in, in the watch market, this vintage inspired, really fashionable, really functional watch. And you, you hit the skin diver out of the park. You've got this really great story by these these ama divers and how did you get there how did you find them um you know what the weird thing is i don't even know i don't i don't know how i came across the story um it just it resonated with me whenever i found it um and it it resonated with the it's a weird like chicken and egg situation you know because i I know i was designing the watch but then i also know i was investigating this incredible 2000 year old skin diving tradition that these women have passed down through generations to their children who pass it down to their children. Um, so, uh, yeah, it, uh, yeah, I, yeah, look, uh, I think what you said is it, it kind of blows me away. I get very kind of sheepish about, about praise, any kind of praise. You're um, in the wrong you know, job for that. <laughs> I'm a South African. Yeah, I'm a South African. So I know. I know. We're we're all like, yeah, I did this little show called Raised by Wolves. So you may have you may have seen it. You know, it, it's a bit like that. So um, uh, it it I don't want to have 
I'm very cautious and very aware of having any kind of like Dunning Kruger syndrome, mm-hmm. if, if or Dunning Kruger effect. Yeah. I think it's called. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean. Yes. Um, that versus imposter yeah. syndrome. Yeah. So, and I've got that as well. So. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Jackpot. Um, <laughs> That's a bingo. Yeah, yeah, I'm, the, I'm the full package. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. and, and so for those of you who don't know, Dunning Kruger effect really sort of. People who know very little about a thing, but uh, but believe themselves experts and and imposter syndrome. People who know relatively a large amount of stuff, but they know enough to realize how little they know. Uh, which which I think that we're Andrew and I are probably both transitioning from Dunning Kruger to uh, imposter transition uh, imposter syndrome in, in our lives as as watch podcasters. At one point, I thought. Yeah, I know a lot about watches. And then as we've interviewed people who are genuine experts, you really it really starts to sink home. And, and along the way, you you glean that information and you take it and you make it part of you. And, and I realize we probably know relatively a lot, but there is always that concern. There is always that, you know, gosh, I don't I don't know. So I'm, I'm feeling I'm feeling a little remiss about giving you my expert advice as it were uh based on your request so uh, i think we'd be remiss not to talk a little bit about these ama divers uh because the story is wonderful and i want to rewrite s- history real quick please you you chose them because you were on a beach in japan and you were just sitting sketching this watch design and you saw <laughs> you saw the the woman on your case back burst forth from the water and it was so hot yeah and that's you You've read my teenage diary. Yeah. So so that's that's how she got on the case back is she she allowed you to sketch her and you said in 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 as payment, you're gonna dedicate this watch to her and yeah. this tradition. So that's she the said, new story. Draw me like your French girl. Precisely. <laughs> so um Oh, sorry. I'm I'm just um I'm unfurling myself there. My ankles are sore from sitting cross-legged. Um, yeah. Okay. So that, that image is my rendition of a photograph by Iwase Yoshiyuki, who, uh, was a, a photographer in the thirties, forties and fifties. And he documented the Ama divers from his village. And it's this incredible photograph. If you see the case back, you know, the Ama divers dove naked, just to segue into that, they dove naked because they dove twice a day. It was cold um, or hot, you know, if I mean, they like, wore, yeah. you know, if they wore any clothing, it, it, it made them colder. You know, it was like the world's first wet t-shirt competition. Yes. No one wants to see that if you're, if that's your day job. Um, so, so they, they dove naked because their skin dried quickly. So she's the image. Let me paint it for you. The image is she's standing on a rock with her basket and she's looking backwards. And for me, that was like really significant because the armored divers are dying out. And it was almost like this vintage image of an armor diver looking back over time, over the tradition, you know, it was yeah. romantic. And it's just this wonderful, it's this wonderful image. You know, I've seen it on Instagram a few times, sort of blurred out, uh, you know, because she's, she's got a bare chest. Uh, but yeah. it's really, it's, it's not a, a sexual picture. It's just this, you can tell that <laughs> this is this professional well doing her job <laughs> It, we, well, we sh- can't boost our Instagram posts. <laughs> look, 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 they're boobs, okay? They're boobs, uh, and they're hot. Uh, but it's this, it's this. You know, you can tell this is a professional 
doing this professional job. And, you know, I think I think it's interesting. Uh, I think it's interesting that you've taken this approach to the skin diver. You know, I think most people think of skin diving. Uh, you know, they picture the the covers, perhaps, even if they don't know they're doing so, but they picture the covers of this, uh, you know, 1970s skin diver magazine, right, with these waspy, snorkeling, young couple, uh, you know, sort of heavily sexualized imagery of of young people doing sexy beach stuff. Mm-hmm. In um, Hawaii, yeah. In, in Hawaii, Hawaii, or yeah, that's right. That's right. Or it's the like the um you know the uh the wetsuit with the front zip that's just pulled down yes. a little bit too much. A little <laughs> bit too far. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. This is I, I, this is maybe a different approach to skin. I mean, certainly what they what the Ama divers do is skin diving, right? They're they're actually uh pearl divers. So they're professionally harvesting pearls. Um so so how do you feel like that sort of blue collar i guess to use an american phrase very uh, rosy the riveter imagery yeah ha- very ha- ha- that's right that's yeah. right uh he's just made the rosy the riveter post for those of you that can't see um which is all of you uh how, how does how does that sort of guide your design decisions here um yeah so to answer your question albany's inspired by lesser known adventurers right sure. and um and those people are not flamboyant playboys they're everyday people who who want to do something extraordinary That's, i like that yeah the the tenzig norgay like versus yeah like us the tenzig norgay like versus the edmund hillary's right the the yeah. lesser known explorers uh and and so is there an element of um is there an element of professionalism, do you think, that you've included here uh, that versus the superfluous in the design? I, you know, I think the skin diver case is, is sometimes misunderstood. And some of that is because it's sort of this uh, amorphous. We talk about a skin diver and pe- to different people and certainly to different companies, that means different things. Is there an element of professionalism here that you're that you're going after? Um, I guess, you know what? It, uh it's i get i get what you mean but i just don't think i'm that deep no, i I, uh, I do get it i'm i'm not really i'm not going for this professionalism thing as 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 much it's more you know i know myself as a person and and these are just stories i mean i'm really interested in you know I, if i'm taking your question right yeah, no, you know, the thing about my questions is I really aim to disrupt the interview with terrible questions that catch our guests totally off their guard. So, and make no oh, sense yeah, to and, anyone. And that make no sense to anyone. So it sounds like we've done a really good job. So uh, thanks for joining us for this episode of 40. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, you know, I, I guess... Uh, I, I guess the answer is is perhaps no, right? This is a watch because it's a watch, and watches are fucking cool, right? Uh, and and that feels okay to me. I, uh, there's no judgment there. Uh, in fact, I like it. We're on record as having said, said, said multiple times that watches are most people take watches too seriously, right? You you know, uh, discussing Ridley Scott as we were, uh, you, you know, it's a fucking movie about the genesis of an alien race uh and people are talking about plot holes and continuity uh you you know we see all the time with watches people criticizing you know 
you, you know, you're going to get criticisms that there's no date option, right? And, and certainly, if you had a date option, you get you'd get criticized for. Uh, having a date and and being asymmetric or or whatever get criticized for having a date no date but then having a ghost stop in sure, your crown sure yeah. I, I mean you're you fuckers you're never because, gonna because there's no movement that accommodates that yeah. you know, at the time or it's like ah oh, can't win so, so so I guess I guess to the extent that this is a watch because watches are cool and this is a cool version of a watch. That, I think that's I think that's fantastic, and I appreciate you saying that. And I'm sorry to have put you on the spot. I'm sorry, Brett. Not at all. No, no. Well, I accept. <laughs> I accept your very humble apology. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> I want to. I want to talk the dial. Talk me through the decision to go with the material, and then what challenges exist with going with that material the colorways i mean i'm just imagining the manufacturing process would have been a giant pain in the dick it's uh the gee it's weird because the pearl dial is like really gender specific right mm-hmm. like we don't think of a pearl dial as i know that my watch is is geared towards men because of the size and um yeah. and dudes typically wear watches yeah and dudes typically wear watches and dudes typically don't wear pearl dials. Um, but yeah, I think, you know what? It, it was like action before thinking. I think it was like, oh, I'm a diver. Pearl divers got to have a pearl dial. And I didn't even, I didn't, it didn't even occur to me that it, it might be like a feminine dial. So it had to be a colorway that um, people would respond to, you know? So the, the watch is completely like a, like a deep, deep black, you know, the kind of black, you know, when you see in movies and the, the the antagonist is a demon and he's got those black eyes, it's like that. Sure. It's beautiful. Not yeah. to, now, you know, not to sell my watch like that, but it's that deep, deep, deep black. As soon as the sun hits it, it just changes and it comes alive. I mean, I've had it for a year. I'll be driving. The sun will hit it and I'll still be looking at it. It's it's amazing. It's really beautiful. As as far as the process goes, I know that it is mother of pearl sourced from the sea. Um, I don't know the entire process. I definitely don't think the process is a Swiss process like the Rolex. Um, you know, they use, they Rolex. I've had people come back at me go, um, "Oh, you know that um, pearl dials are really, really difficult to make, and how can you say it's a pearl dial and sourced from the sea?" There are there are various processes that that people employ to to get a pearl dial made. Ours is not cut from a rare Australian mother of pearl shell. I can tell you that. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I'm sorry. At two ninety nine. dollars You know, well, and do you have any sort of indication of where, where you sit today, uh, having sold 170 or so watches already? Do you have any kind of indication of what the popularity is of the mop dial versus your painted brass dials? Oh, it hits above everything else. Yeah. I love mop dials. Yeah. I think probably episode 30 or so, I had a, a mother of pearl dialed uh, citizen and you made fun of me for it. Or maybe it was an Orient, but you made fun of me. Well, it's because it was a lame watch. No, it wasn't a lame watch. It was really cool. I think mother of pearl is <laughs> awesome. The, the, the pictures that are on there, and I've looked at a bunch, of, I've watched most of the review videos that are up showing the way the light plays on that. On that dial is awesome. Insane. You know, I will say this. I've never owned a mop-dialed watch. Uh, but what I, I do have is I have uh, a set of about 20 mop shirt buttons. 
mother of pearl uh, is what I mean when I say that, uh, that I that I sew on shirts. When I buy a shirt that doesn't have, that has plastic buttons, I've got mother of pearl buttons to sew on it. No, you don't. No, it's a true story. That's a true story. <laughs> uh, that's amazing. Of course you do. Of course I do. Yeah, that's right. Do. That's right. Well, uh, so I, I know that we pra- we haven't talked about everything we we, we should have um, no. because we've been talking about Mother of Pearl Buttons. But um, anything that you want to talk about. So we, we're right now, we've got about a month left in your Kickstarter. And, yep. and I assume if you sell 5 billion watches, you're going to be able to produce 5 billion watches. Is that right? So, so we're, that's how the math works. Yeah. So we're it's, at the stage, you know, that's the, the one, dollar, that's one of sorry. the nice things about Kickstarter. No, it's okay. And I, and I don't mean to interrupt you, but we, we've talked a lot recently yeah. about Kickstarters and pre-orders. Um, and, you know, I think that there's some, you know, confusion in the industry about what that means. But one of the, uh, one of the objective benefits to a Kickstarter release is, Yes, it's going to take a few months to get your watch, but if I sell 5,000 of these things, I can make 5,000 of them because I know before we go to production how many watches I've sold. So um, with about a month from the time people will hear this on Thursday, two days from now, uh, with about a month to go, where can people find you? How can people order your watches? Kickstarter, by the way. Uh, and, and how much are they going to pay for for one of these wonderful 300-meter, 41-and-change dive watches? With a nudie on the back. With a nudie on the back. So uh, you can follow us on Instagram. That'll take you straight to our Kickstarter. And that's Albany Watch Co. And we've got an amazing Instagram. I'm, I'm very, very proud of it. It's got all the, all the information you need. It's got founder videos and watch videos and... Um, it'll take you straight to the Kickstarter and you can pledge on Kickstarter. I think our, our tiers are filling up. Uh, so we've got a super early bird, which is, is done for the full brushed beads of rice bracelet option. Uh, there's the early bird and then there's the Kickstarter, but we're not going over $350, $349 for the watch. Those U.S. Um, dollars, three hundred and fifty bucks US for this wonderful, wonderful watch. Yeah, you add for for three ninety nine when you add the upgrade, you get a stainless, fully brushed. I don't know if anyone's done a fully brushed beads of rice bracelet, and it's a really good bracelet. It's fully machined. Uh, it's got end, machined end links, uh, removable links, micro adjustments. You get an eco NATO eco weave NATO strap, a new buck Italian leather strap a double-ended watch tool, a waxed watch roll, and it all comes in a sustainable bamboo box with our logo embossed on the top. Wonderful. And, you know, I wish it's something we have. It's something we have written down here. Um, but I wish we had talked a little bit about sort of your commitment to sustainability. Um, I, I will just leave and sit. I will I, I will leave the point saying uh, you, your company is obviously dedicated to sustainability and sort of eco initiatives, and we think that's super cool. And I'm sorry we didn't get to talk about it. Um, so well, he cool. wasted a bunch of time talking about mother of pearl buttons. <laughs> ah, yeah. Gee. <laughs> Look, I'll just I'll just say I mean if you can fit it in, I'll just say you know as a surfer, there's a lot of times when I go surfing and I have to stuff plastic bags into my wetsuit to take to the beach to put in the bin. That means a lot to me, you know. Yeah. So so we can't be a hundred. 
I don't, it's very difficult for a startup to be 100% sustainable with everything that they're doing. That's what we want to aim for. We're trying to be as sustainable as possible from the start. Yeah. That's, and, a, that's such a good goal. I spent two weeks in the woods uh, a couple weeks ago uh, on a hunting trip, and we collected a couple dozen balloons, like the, the plasticky, what's the, that material called? Latex? No, not the latex balloons. The, the like ones that have print on them. Oh. Oh, yeah. The, my, the mylar. Balloon. Yeah, mylar. We collected yeah. a couple dozen mylar balloons that had sunk into the woods. Mm. Um, yeah. Waste. No need for it. It, it, it's very cool. It, it's very cool that as a as a business you're dedicated to doing. You know, I think that there's a lot of mystery about what that means, uh, and we'll we'll have to leave that mystery for the next time we have you on when you release yeah. this GMT watch. Uh, but I guarantee we'll get to it then. Um, I guess for now we'll move on. We'll move on, Andrew. Other things. What do you got? I this is interesting. I I've, I only know what it is uh, as a, as a category. Yeah, as a category. Uh, so I've got it. Hang on. Don't go to. I don't need to incognito this. Um, <laughs> so I, as I as I t- talked about earlier, I've been redoing a bathroom. And I've had, I got a tool when I was doing recess lighting. I got an oscillating multi-tool um, when I was doing my recess lights because I needed a plunge saw, but I hate drywall plunge saws, like just the knife. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. I hate them because they're so imprecise. They're messy. They like physically hard to use. Yeah. They, they also, yeah, they, they require work and I don't right. like that. I'm very lazy. So <laughs> I got an oscillating multi-tool and I got the Chicago electric Harbor freight. Uh, hell yeah. I know $20 that special. And it's just an oscillating saw. Chicago and it comes electric with, for the, the, the wind. There's, there's 200,000 potential attachments to it. There's sanders and a variety of cutting tools. And, and if you can imagine it, 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 it attaches to this super easy attachment point so from demo to now finishing i've used a few dozen different tools this is the only tool that has been out only elect only power tool that has been out and in use in every single step of the process that plunge saw the angle saw the sander i've used a like six or seven different attachments for it i this is the best $20 I've ever spent in my life. I, I used it for everything. It's part of the problem is that I was having to cut through quarter inch dry or quarter inch plywood in a room filled with plumbing and electrical behind it. So I was having to like cut little peepholes and look because this isn't a normal house where things like run where you think they are. So I'm having to cut peepholes and look for my danger zones. And I'm just, I just use this plunge saw. I used it to cut drywall. I used, I've used it for fucking everything. Find one, whatever your economy tool brand is, whether it's Chicago Electric. And it should be Chicago Electric. I think way. so too. It's corded and it's 20 money. You you literally can't go wrong. If you burn it out, you're not your feelings aren't gonna be hurt because you're just gonna go spend 20 more money and get another one. Yeah. This is not a buy nice, not twice situation. This is a buy this one until they until Chicago Electric no longer exists. It's terrific. And Chicago Electric will exist forever because yeah. it's wonderful. It's money. I love it's, that name. It's such a good tool. Chicago Electric. Yeah. So, do you have any? Do you have any familiarity with Harbor Freight, Brett? No, no, so, no. So, but I mean, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it's this. It's uh, I, I believe a, an American, just solely American company, but they are sort of the. I don't know. It. it they make. They're like the Dollar Tree of of hardware stores. That's right. But it's not a dollar there. 
it's there it's not a dollar it's twenty dollars but you yeah. can get a power tool a legitimate power tool for 20 bucks you know they make sort of knockoffs and and substitutes for dewalt and um you know these high-end big mm. box store power tools and, and 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 everything not just power tools they make you know you can buy a hammer you can buy a screwdriver um oftentimes this stuff is very cheaply manufactured but almost always practical especially for someone like Andrew or I, who's doing two to five projects per year. Uh, yeah, it probably wouldn't stand up to a commercial use. It, it wouldn't stand up to commercial use, but for the for the homeowner uh, with the occasional use, it's fantastic stuff. And we've talked about Harbor. We've talked about Harbor. We've talked tools. about Chicago Electric tools before. Yes, that's right. That's right. So we're we're big fans. Oscillating uh, multi tool. That's that's the one today. So I've got another thing. Do me. So I. Uh, how many? So do you think the amount of our listeners who are left handed is more or less than the amount of our listeners who golf. Ooh. I'm I'm guessing it's I'm I, guessing it's a toss up. I, I think there's probably less left-handed people than there are golfers. So statistically speaking, 13% of the world's population is left-handed. That's that's the number, right? I don't know. Yeah. So <laughs> that's the number. Uh <laughs> I'm guessing about 13% of our listeners golf and I'm talking to you. I bet more than 13% of our listeners golf. Good. Like like 80% of our listeners are males between the ages of 20 and 60. So, I'm so my guess is like 50% of people golf. I'm talking to golf. I'm talking to you 50%ers. Uh so I I uh am am the type of golfer who doesn't hit every shot well, who makes something like 20% of greens. Uh, and, and maybe <laughs> like 15% of fairways, my iron game is strong. My wedge game is mediocre. My driver and three wood, five wood game is, it's not weak. I hit the ball forward. forward. I hit the balls. No, no. I mean, that's the problem is it's not forward. <laughs> it is frequently left it's closer to the green than when it and when it started that's though. true that's true almost always almost always uh i hit i hit a pretty mean hook and i i know how to hit a slice or a fade but um in in doing so I, I don't i don't there's not a lot of middle it's either uh left or a forced fade to the right edge right so it's always it's never in the you're center. the guy who lines up perpendicular to the tee box and no. smacks it hoping no, that your hook it's, it's, like, it's, <laughs> it's not that bad but uh it, it's not that bad but um it, it is not great either. Um, you know, I have new irons, which I talked about recently. Yeah. I have new irons. Which and I new took. grips on them. And the grips on the irons are just fantastic. I was like, man, this is really nice. These feel really nice on my hands. And I have woods that are a few years old now, uh, but which had not great grips to start with. And and and, and have, we're, we're starting to wear out. I got new grips for my wedges and my woods this week. And I and I installed them at my house. I cut the old grips off. I got the lighter fluid. I did the whole thing. It's fun. It's kind of a fun project to do at home. And I did what? I live blogged it to you guys. Uh, it was like a half hour. Yeah, yeah, more than that. Maybe an hour though for yeah. for six clubs. So so my driver three wood five wood, and my fifty two or I guess fifty fifty four and sixty degree wedge. Uh, I did all six of them in a, probably about an hour. Not a ton of time. But you carry a lot of wedges. I did. <laughs> That's true. That's that's what the girls say. Uh, and golly, it is the biggest difference 
I have ever made in my golf bag. I've never replaced a club that made this big a difference. Your putter did. Yeah, I'm no, no, you're uh, wrong. Your putter did. My putter made a big difference, too. But, I mean, it is easily... It was easily the difference between, you know, say 25%, maybe 20% of my fairways to 40% of my fairways, 50% maybe. I hit the ball straighter. I'm able to swing harder. I have way more. It was like, geez, man. Golf is one of the few things that you don't realize you've hit your threshold of where you're better than your equipment. You just think you suck. Golf's the it's a really like it's a lower threshold for your talent exceeding your equipment's talent than most other things. Yeah. Most things it's like you're never gonna be better than whatever equipment you bought, even if it's the bullshit economy brand. Golf, like it it happens quick. Yeah. Well, and and I wouldn't say I'm better than my equipment. Certainly I'm not. You but were better than those than that equipment. No, that's the thing, is that that's what upped your game. The that change is what made your game better, which meant that you were you were being degraded yeah by your and and i think maybe even more than that right i i was inspired i'm thinking gosh i'm not hitting my i'm not hitting my driver i'm hitting my driver really inconsistently um you know it's not the driver that's the problem it was these old tattered not great grips in the first place so uh something so you know and you can buy grips you go to your local usga store or whatever it is like nine bucks a piece double-sided tape yeah. lighter fluid that's on the back on the patio right it took me an hour to do six clubs, and it's, you know, so for a total of 60 bucks, literally a total of 60 bucks, that was all the money I spent, less than that. And an episode of television. And an episode of television. Uh, you know, uh, uh, I'm all about sort of doing things, small things, uh, fun things that can can actually make a difference. Uh, you know, everybody wants to go buy the new Hanma driver or whatever, and nobody wants to buy the Hanma driver. No, that's not but me. perhaps the, the new TaylorMade driver uh you know try different things have fun and, and really that was the other thing i pulled the clubs out of the bag i went with blue grips mm -hmm. for and my orange. wedges yeah. and orange grips for my woods and it was like i just felt really good about pulling them out of the bag like look at this you know uh little things anyway or get your shafts fitted to you that's another thing that yeah, would really help huge. most people's golf game huge so uh that's my other thing Can I what, are you a lefty no, Andrew's a lefty. I am. Yeah, he's he is the the disabled one. Yeah, uh, but okay, but you write you write with your left hand. I do. I shoot okay. left handed. I write left handed. I pull a bow left handed. I golf right handed though. My uh, my parents when I was a kid had this thing where they're like, if you do things left handed, people are gonna fucking hate you. So all athletic activities I do right handed. Just like that. I mean, perhaps. I don't know. I don't have memory of it. I just remember being like trying to throw a ball left handed and be like, no, 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 other hand. Like, well, this. Uh. So I'm, I'm relatively ambidextrous. I can write with my right hand, but not as well as my left hand, which isn't great anyway. So it's not like a big loss. And he doesn't know how to spell. So no, literacy is not uh, my thing. Yeah. That is, that's so weird because I, I wear my watch in my right hand. I'm a, but I write right handed. Oh, interesting. I kick. I kick right-handed, and I play golf left-handed. Oh, where do you put your wallet? Right, right oh, side. Interesting. And how do you surf? Uh, uh, natural. Okay. I skateboard. I'd like, I was a skater, so I was always natural. Natural skater. Okay. Natural huh. Not goofy. Yeah. That's the problem yeah, with being so left-handed is like people just fuck you up. Everything, like, you don't just get to be left-handed. So when I started skateboarding, I pushed, <clears throat> I pushed, pushed, I pushed goofy and, and like Mongo goofy and then, oh. and then I originally like broke myself of it. But yeah, I, I feel yeah. you, right? Sometimes it's just like, this that. is what feels right. 
Yeah, absolutely. But I know that whole Mongo thing. Every time I pass a skater and he's a new a newbie, I'm like, oh god, he's he's skating Mongo. He's pushing Mongo. <laughs> Which for those of you that don't know is like when you you basically push with your front foot, so your back foot is on the on the tail of your board. It's it's just it's quite a, kind of an awkward thing to do. It's also very it's a, inefficient. It's inefficient. Well, and and, and yeah. switching to jump tricks, it can be a, it can be a nightmare. So I had no idea you were a skater. Well, I, I'm I'm 40 years old, so I'm not a skater. But there was a time in my life, yeah. You know, he was going to buy a skateboard quite recently. That's true. That's true. I I know that I know that um, I know that feeling. My I've, wife I've borderline got... threatened to divorce me. It, 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 she didn't get that far, but she was like, "I really think there's something else you could it, do with this with this time." And, uh, that was a self preservation thing because you were going to get hurt. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. You know what? What really helps for that is to live vicariously through a child that skateboards. Yeah, I, that's what that's what I need to do, and I've got two of them that are the right age, so yeah. we'll figure that out. We'll figure well, that my, out. My my kid, um, my kid got into downhill skating. Ugh. So yeah, so like sixty miles an hour down down hills and stuff was just you know insane. We've we've I got a to, very uh, famous downhill uh race here in well it, it's not in oregon it's in washington but it's right over the river mm. so there's mary's peak is this internationally okay. famous downhill skateboarding course it's one of the big events for downhill skateboarders and it is it is literally suicidal yeah people die yeah, yeah. <laughs> the crash videos yeah. no, no, no. are terrific Oh no, I know. I like I know all the you know a lot of the skaters here. Um, you know they do these fucking mountain passes with cars coming up the other side, and they're like, no, but it's cool. We're not crossing lanes. Yeah. And I'm just like, yeah, great. You're, You're not. And your friend is filming you with the GoPro on the bottom of his car, a meter behind you. Insane. You know, it's, it's insane. It's I think insane. I think there's a I think there's a longboard company out of Oregon called Original. I think yeah. it's Oregon. My my kid so. was sponsored by them. Yeah, so my kid was sponsored by them for a little bit. Yeah. Well, so well we bro, kid, we what do you got for your other thing? Man, I don't. I feel so boring because I don't have anything. I've been concentrating on. I don't even know what to tell you. I bought a new surfboard. That's about it. I, I transitioned from um, a retro surfboard to a modern surfboard. That's that's about it. Well, so what's, what's the difference? What, yeah, what'd you buy? Did you buy Carrier Takara? What'd you get? Um, so I surf traditionally twin fins, which is a very kind of cruisy style, sure, yeah. you know, on the wave. Um, and and I, I I went to J Bay, which is this world famous break that everybody surfs, and I got chewed up by the locals, you know, which is really embarrassing. I mean, if if you can imagine golfing, and um, you're ready to make your shot, and and people start going back of the line buddy you suck or whatever it is and there's a whole group of things it's like being at school again if you've you ever bullied at school it's like being at school so there are all these jocks jock surfers who sort of called me out so oh, can't i can't get like, that eight six twin fin out of here <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly that's exactly know, what it know. was the way you laughed that's exactly <laughs> what it was it was like no like i'm um i'm not i'm, I'm a pretty good surfer so i surf. i'm six Sorry, I wish I was six foot. I'm five foot ten. Um, so my surfboard is. <laughs> I, I used to say, go to castings. You're huge. <laughs> I used to go, I used to go to. I remember in Australia, I'd go to castings, and and for some reason, somebody told me I was six foot, 
And I'd stand there and go, hi, my name's Brett Williams. I'm an actor with Sensor and I'm six foot. And then the next guy would be like, I am Sensor and I'm six foot and he'd be about two inches taller than me. So, <laughs> nah, bro, so you're I, six two. Don't worry. <laughs> six two, man. Someone's, someone's messing with you. So I, I surfed a, 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 quite a small board, um, but it wasn't working. And I, I met this pro surfer from the 80s who's a shaper here named Peter Lawson. And we got to talking and he brought the board down for me that he shaped for me. It's amazing. It's like, it's exact. it's the same thing. It's like when your equipment doesn't work for you anymore and you can feel it, you're like laboring and you don't understand why you think, ah, oh, I really suck, man. What's happening? That that's the vibe. I got this board and I was like, oh fuck, man, I'm just flying. Um, I'm like turning, I'm turning off the top of the wave. My feet aren't coming off the board. Um, and also my twin fins taken a beating. I, I broke the nose of my twin fin surfboard off. Can I say this on, on, I, on here? I broke, I'm sure you can. Yeah, I don't know what you're going to say, no but limits. the answer is yes. Yeah. So I, I was surfing in pretty, pretty, as the surfers say, gnarly surf. Oh, yeah. Um, pretty big bit, that surf. is a bad word. No gnarly. Yeah. Anything but that. Yeah, no gnarly. So I was surfing in some really sizey surf, which had a lot of power behind the wave. And I said to my, I was having really a good time. And I said to my friend, as we all do, last one. And I yeah. took the wave and I, <laughs> I pancaked, <laughs> which is when you fall flat and yeah. you sort of wind yourself. So I winded myself and then I, it, the wave washed over me and it's called the washing machine. You get into the washing machine. Oh, yeah. And the board, I felt the board <clears throat> hit me in the testicle. Oh. And um, <laughs> yeah. And I thought, I thought I'd puncture, I did have a tiny puncture. I mean, it was like a millimeter, but I thought I'd done real damage. And I came up and the nose of the board was like bent like that. Dude, you got balls of steel. Balls of steel. Yeah. (laughs) That's resume shit right there. I took photos. I Instagrammed it. Nobody liked it. But, you know, it it was a moment for me. So I got a new surfboard, uh, which I'm going to, I've had one surf on it and really shitty surf. And I'm going to go surf this morning. It, like right, like right now. Um, when this is finished, I think I'll, I'll make myself a coffee, get in the car, do a forty-minute drive to another beach, which is way around the coast, and um, and I'm gonna go surf. And so and we're gonna suggest cold. that that whiskey was one finger and not three fingers. I may have a small nap. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've only I've I've only surfed a few times, and one of them I got put in the washing machine. It was the last time I surfed, and uh, I was in pretty shallow water. And when I I pancaked and penetrated the water and hit the earth and kicked myself in the back of the head, mm. and and I I stood up and I picked up the surfboard and I walked out of the surf, yeah. never to return. Because I'm not a bendy fellow. To be able to kick yourself in the back of the head is, is quite the That's bend. Amazing. It was unpleasant. So and, I don't I don't do that anymore. And you know, Brett, I've surfed a lot. We have we have actually really good surf here in Oregon, but it's you, you know, uh it, it's cold, right? It's, it's fucking six, freezing. Sixty degrees Fahrenheit at, at yeah. in in the winter. And so closer to fifty six, fifty seven degrees Fahrenheit, uh you, you can do these conversions. But cold as shit. In the summer, mm-hmm. and uh, so so a lot of people will come from places like Australia and South Africa and say you cannot surf here, right? If you're uh, so, I had a I had a, a warm water wetsuit that was about three four, uh, and my cold water wetsuit was five six, which is an incredibly wow. uh, 
and still it's you not know, sufficient your your hood your gloves yeah. your booties full meal deal and still some of the time you miserable. can't pee enough yeah but no, it's and, and for listeners who don't know that wetsuit's made out of real whale blubber that's right. Real. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, you're inside the whale at that point. Like at, at that weight, you're inside it. You can barely move. You look like the, the Christmas story and you're still freezing. Yeah, that, that's right. So, uh, uh, yeah, you know, surfing, I think maybe more than any sport I've ever done, except perhaps uh, skiing, uh, you know, you've it's this really very physical and 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 different than. You know, I, I, the only other thing I can compare it to is playing the trumpet, which is if you uh, if you stop doing it for a very short amount of time, you perhaps still have the muscle memory. But the atrophy of those actual muscles is so significant. It, it's yeah. so significant. And it happens yeah. very quickly. You take a month off of surfing and it's like, I simply can't, I cannot get out because I'm just too weak, you know the the amount of fitness that's this required to surf with any sort of uh, w- with any sort of consistency uh, or I- I'm I'm doubling up there. Yeah, my... I don't know what's happening there. Well, three beers, yeah, that'll happen. Yeah, yeah, fair but enough. Kind of... You you've got to work your ass off to stay in it, basically. Yeah, you do. It's a different kind of um, physicality. It's a different kind of exercise that I think people don't realize until they do it. And also that kind of cold. So that's what I'm going into now. Um, that like 11 degrees, which is 51. Ooh, very cold. Very, very cold. Very cold. Um, so we get the Southeaster, which blows out to sea and that turns the water ice blue. And you know, when it's blue, ice blue, you're like, Oh man, you really want to get out there, but it's so cold. But what people don't realize is it burns. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, you, it, you get in the water and it's like being on, it's like a weird cold fire. Yep. It really burns you. And when you come out, when that blood starts returning to your feet, it's agony. Oh, you're certain it's your crazy. toes have fallen off. Yeah. You're like, oh, they've yeah. melted. They're gone. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's nuts. It's totally nuts. And also that thing of like what you were talking about when you go into the washing machine, when you fall off, that is a real like fight or flight, live or die. You, that reflex kicks in. Like you panic. Oh, you I accepted to, you death. Train yourself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You have to train yourself to like relax. It's gonna it's gonna wash over you. We're gonna be okay. We're gonna be okay. And you come up and it's been like five seconds. And it know? feels yes. like it feels like it's yeah. been a half hour. Yeah. It's yeah, it's like a Tolkien book. It's yeah. you know, yeah. that's what it's like. <laughs> well, uh Brett. I want to just thank you so sincerely for coming on the show. Uh, for you at home, if you if you haven't checked out the Instagram, which is Albany Watchco, uh, yes, and 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 the website, which will the website at this point is only directing you to the Kickstarter, but I assume at some point that'll be more comprehensive. Um, Absolutely, but certainly all the information you might ever want about the Alma Diver is on the Kickstarter, including including all the reviews. Uh, Mike Razak, our good friend and senior contributor for Watch Clicker, did a review of the Ama Diver on the Time Bumps website. Mm-hmm. So uh, as you know, Mike Mike writes for a few different websites. Um, you can check that we out. We compensate him the best, though. That's true. That's true. <laughs> the, dude, <laughs> the twos are lower here than they are elsewhere. Um, uh, yeah, please, please do check. Please do check out Albany Watches. 
on uh, on those various sites. And, and certainly check them out. You've got the Kickstarter is going to be open till November 11th, I believe, is the is the close date on yes. the on the Kickstarter. There's uh, 20 days left. So as of listening, you've got 18. Yeah, no, it's more than that. It's 20, 28 days. No, bro, it says 20 days left. Okay. I'm not, 20 days. I'm not a fucking yeah. doctor. All right, all right, fair enough. You're not a doctor, that's true, but you can count better than I can. I can read. So so do please check out. Andrew, do you have anything else that you'd like to add before we go? 20 days to go. Brett, do you have anything you'd like to add before we go? I, I'd just like to say thank you, Andrew, for wearing that shirt before I go surfing. You're um, welcome. I have, I have a Jaws shirt on, so... <laughs> Godspeed to you, my friend. You only have great whites there. It's not a big deal. Yeah, they've actually disappeared. Touch wood. Touch wood. Uh, they've, they've gone out for Check a out the but Queen of the Ocean that uh, just got found in... Uh, oh, wow. In the northern, well, or northern Atlantic. She's 50 years old. Oh, really? Yeah. No. Yeah. So she's not there. Well, you, can, you can be comforted by that, that she's not thank around. Thank God. Yeah. I just want to thank you guys. That was really fun. Loved it, man. Thank you. And thank you guys yeah, for joining really nice us. For this episode of 40 and 20, the Watch Cooker Podcast. Feel free to check us out on Instagram at 40 and 20. Check out check out Albany Watches because they're doing some really cool shit, you guys. Uh, I'm a diver, available now on Kickstarter. If you want to support the show, patreon.com slash 40 and 20. That's how you can support 40 and 20. And the Watch Clicker. That's where we get all our money for hosting, etc., etc. Also, uh, don't forget to tune back in next Thursday for another hour of watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Bye-bye.